Hello my friends, this is Nikki. Today we'll be talking about uh, the first time that Simon Peter meets Jesus. He goes to the synagogue to listen to Jesus speak and then he talks with him afterwards. And we begin by reading with Maria Valtorta's book, The Poem of the Man God, Volume 1. And Jesus is walking along a little road, uh, a path between two fields. He is alone and John is moving towards him along a different path in the fields, and he meets him at last. Master, he says, I have longed so much for you. I saw you were looking for me, says Jesus, and I came towards you. I came to meet you because I saw you. What the eye does not do, love does. Yes, love does, says John. You love me, therefore, Master? And do you love me? John, son of Zebedee, asks Jesus. So much, Master. I think I have always loved you. Before meeting you, long before, my soul was looking for you. And when I saw you, my soul said to me, Here is the one you are seeking. I think I met you because my soul perceived you. You said it, John, says Jesus, and what you say is right. I also came towards you because my soul perceived you. For how long will you love me? Forever, Master, says John. I no longer want to love anybody but you. You have a father and a mother, says Jesus, brothers and sisters. You have your life, and with your life you have a woman and love. How will you be able to leave all that for my sake? Master, says John, I do not know, but I think, if it is not pride to say so, that your fondness will take the place of father and mother, of brothers and sisters, and also of a woman. I will be compensated for everything if you love me. And if my love should cause you sorrows and persecutions, asks Jesus, they will be nothing if you love me, answers John. And the day I should die, says Jesus. No, says John, you are young, Master. Why die? Because the Messiah has come to preach the law in its truthfulness and to accomplish redemption, and the world loathes the law and does not want redemption, therefore they persecute God's messengers. Oh, let that never be, says John. Do not mention that prediction of death to him who loves you. But if you should die, I would still love you. Allow me to love you. John's look is an imploring one. He has bowed his head lower than ever, and he walks beside Jesus and seems to be begging love. Jesus stops, he looks at him, scrutinizes him with his deep, penetrating eyes, and lays his hand on his bowed head. I want you to love me, he says. Oh, Master, says John, and he is happy. He takes the divine hand and kisses it on its back and presses it to his heart. They take to the road again. You said you were looking for me, says Jesus. Yes, says John, to tell you that my friends want to meet you, and because, well, how I was longing to be with you again. I left you only a few hours ago, but I could no longer be without you. Have you therefore been a good announcer of the word, asks Jesus. Also James, master, says John, spoke of you in such a way as to convince them. So that also he, says Jesus, who had no confidence, 
and is not to be blamed because his reserve was due to prudence, is now convinced. Now Jesus is talking about Simon Peter, who wasn't too convinced at first that James and John had met Jesus the, the Messiah. Let us go, says Jesus, and give Simon Peter full assurance. He is somewhat afraid, says John. No, says Jesus, not afraid of me. I have come for good people, and even more for those who stand in error. I want to save people, not to condemn them. I will be full of mercy with honest people. And with sinners, asks John. Also with sinners, says Jesus. By dishonest people, I mean those who are spiritually dishonest, and hypocritically they feign to be good, whereas they do ill deeds. And they do such things, and in such a way, for their own profit, and to secure an advantage over their neighbors. I will be severe with them. Oh, says John, Simon Peter then will not worry. He is as loyal as no one else. That is what I like, says Jesus, and I want you all to be so. I will speak in the synagogue, says Jesus. I asked them to inform the poor and sick people in addition to the rich and healthy ones. They are all in need of the gospel. They are near the village. Some children are playing in the road and one of them runs into Jesus' legs and would have fallen if he had not been quick in getting hold of him. The child cries just the same, as if he had been hurt. And Jesus, holding him in his arms, says, an Israelite who is crying? What should the thousands of children have done who became men crossing the desert with Moses? And yet the Most High Lord sent the sweet manna for them rather than for the others because he loves innocent children and looks after these little angels of the earth, these wingless little birds, just as he sees to the sparrows of woods and towns. Do you like honey? Yes? Well, if you are good, you will eat a honey which is sweeter than the honey of your bees. Where? When? asks the little boy. When, after a life of loyalty to God, you will go to him. I know that I cannot go there, says the boy, unless the Messiah comes. My mother says that now we, in Israel, are like many Moseses, and we die seeing the promised land. She says that we are there, waiting to go in, and that only the Messiah will make us go in. What a clever little Israelite you are, says Jesus. Well, I will tell you that when you die, you will go to paradise at once, because the Messiah will already have opened the gates of heaven. But you must be good. Mummy, mummy, the child cries when he sees his mother. The new rabbi told me that I will go to paradise at once when I die, and I will eat so much honey. If I am good, I will be good. God grant it, says his mother. I am sorry, Master, if he troubled you. He is so lively. Innocence does not trouble woman, says Jesus. May God bless you, because you are a mother who is bringing her children up in the knowledge of the law. Do you like children, Master? asks John. Yes, says Jesus. I do, because they are pure, sincere, and affectionate. Have you any nephews, Master? I have but my mother, says Jesus. In her there is purity, sincerity, the love of the most holy children, together with wisdom, justice, and the fortitude of adults. I have everything in my mother, John. And you left her, he asks. 
God is above also the holiest mother, says Jesus. Will I meet her? Will she love me? She will love you because she loves whoever loves her Jesus. Then you have no brothers, asks John. I have some cousins on my mother's husband's side. He's referring to who will become his apostles, Judah and James, and later on, Simon and Joseph. But every man is my brother, and I have come for everybody. We are now at the synagogue. I am going in, and you will join me with your friends. Jesus takes the scroll and opens it at random, and he begins his lesson. He says, The Spirit makes me read the following things for you. At chapter 7 of the book of Jeremiah, we read, Yahweh Sabaoth, the God of Israel, says this, Amend your behavior and your actions, and I will stay with you here in this place. Put no trust in delusive words like these. This is the sanctuary of Yahweh, the sanctuary of Yahweh, the sanctuary of Yahweh. But if you do amend your behavior and your actions, if you treat each other fairly, if you do not exploit the stranger, the orphan, the widow, if you do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow alien gods to your own ruin, then here in this place I will stay with you, in the land that long ago I gave to your fathers forever. Listen, Israel, says Jesus. Here I am to illuminate for you the words of light, which your dimmed souls can no longer see or understand. Listen, there is much weeping in the land of the people of God. Old people cry, remembering past glories. Adults cry because they are bent under the yoke. Children cry because they have no prospects of future glory. But the glory of the earth is nothing compared to a glory which no oppressor except mammon and ill will can take away. Don't forget that mammon is another name for Satan. Why are you crying? asks Jesus. Because the Most High, who was always good to his people, has now turned his face elsewhere and no longer allows his children to see his countenance. Is he no longer the God who parted the sea and made Israel cross it and led the people through the desert and nourished them and defended them from their enemies and that they might not lose the way to heaven? He gave a law for their souls as he had sent them a cloud for their bodies. So Jesus is referring to the Ten Commandments that God gave the Israelites so that they would know the laws of God and not lose their souls. Is he no longer the God that sweetened the waters and sent manna to his worn-out children? Is he not the God who wanted you to settle in his land and made an alliance with you as father with his children? Well then, why has the foreigner struck you? Many amongst you mumble, and yet the temple is here. Is it not enough to have the temple and to go and pray God in it? The first temple is in the heart of every man, and that is where holy prayers should be said. But a prayer cannot be holy unless the heart first amends its way of living, and with his heart man also amends his habits, affections, the rules of justice towards the poor, servants, relatives, and God. Now look, I see rich, hard-hearted men who make rich offerings to the temple, but they never say to a poor man, Brother, here is a piece of bread and a penny. Take them from man to man, 
and let not my help discourage you, as my offering may not make me proud. I see people who, in their prayers, complain to God because he does not hear their prayers promptly. Then, when a poor wretch, very often a relative, says to them, Listen to me, they reply heartlessly, No. I see you crying because your money is squeezed out of your purses by your ruler. But then you squeeze blood out of those you hate, and you are not filled with horror when you take the blood and life away from a body. O Israel, the time of redemption has come. Prepare its ways in your hearts with good will. Be honest, good, love one another. The rich must not despise the poor. Merchants must not defraud. The poor must not envy the rich. You are all of one blood, and you belong to one God. You are all called to one destiny. Do not shout with your sins, the heavens, that the Messiah will open for you. Have you erred so far? Err no longer. Abandon all errors. The law is simple, easy, and good, as it goes back to the original Ten Commandments, illuminated by the light of love. Come, I will show you which they are. Love, love, love. God's love for you, your love for God. Love for your neighbors, always love. Because God is love, and those are the Father's children who know how to live love. I am here for everybody and to give everybody the light of God. Here is the word of the Father that becomes food for you. Jesus is referring to the Eucharist. He is the Eucharist. He is the word of God. He is the blood and bread that we consume. We take him into ourselves. He continues, Come, taste, change the blood of your spirits with this food. Let every poison vanish. Let every lust die. A new glory is offered to you, the Eternal One, to which all those will come whose hearts will truly study the law of God. Now when Jesus is talking about the new glory being offered to you, the Eternal One, He is saying that He is there to open the gates of heaven so that we can live in eternity with God once again. Jesus continues, Start from love. There is nothing greater. When you know how to love, you will already know everything. And God will love you. And God's love means help against all temptations. May the blessing of God be on those who turn to God with their hearts full of goodwill. Jesus is silent. The people whisper. The meeting breaks up after some hymns, many of which are sung like psalms. Jesus goes out onto the little square. On the doorstep there are John and James with Peter and Andrew. Peace to you, says Jesus, and he adds, Here is the man who, in order to be just, must not judge before knowing. But he is honest in admitting he is wrong. Simon, Peter, you wanted to see me? Here I am. And you, Andrew, why did you not come before? The two brothers look at each other, embarrassed. Andrew whispers, I did not dare. Peter blushes but does not speak. But when he hears Jesus say to his brother, Were you doing any wrong in coming? 
one must not dare to do only evil things. He intervenes frankly. It was my fault, he says. He wanted to bring me to you at once. But I, I said, yes, I said I don't believe it, and I did not want to come. Oh, I feel better now. So I just want you to notice that Peter is confessing his sin to Jesus. He's outright confessing his sin directly to Jesus, sin of not believing, not faith. And this is a good example to be able to admit readily our flaws, our faults to God so that God can forgive us and strengthen us and help us to become stronger, better people. Jesus smiles and then he says, And because of your sincerity, I tell you that I love you. Peter says, But I, I am not good. I am not capable of doing what you said in the synagogue. I am quick-tempered, and if anyone offends me, well, I am greedy, and I like money. And in my fish business, well, I am not always honest, and I am ignorant, and I have little time to follow you to receive your light. What shall I do? I would like to become as you say, but... And Jesus answers, It is not difficult, Simon. Are you acquainted a little with the scriptures? Are you? Well, think of the prophet Micah. God wants from you what Micah said. He does not ask you to tear your heart apart. Neither does he ask you to sacrifice your most holy affections. He does not ask you for the time being. One day, without being requested by God, you will give God your own self. But he will wait while the sun and the dew turn you a thin blade of grass as you are now, into a sturdy, glorious palm tree. For the time being, he asks you only this, to be just, to love mercy, and to take the greatest care in following your God. Strive to do that, and Simon's past will be cancelled, and you will become a new man, the friend of God and of his Christ, no longer Simon, but Cephas, the safe rock, on which I lean. Cephas means rock. Now I just wanted to quote from the St. James Version of the Bible, the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Here he says, He hath showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justice, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's the passage that Jesus was referring to. Simon Peter says to Jesus, I like that. I understand that. The law is so, is so, that is, I cannot comply with it any longer, as the rabbis have made it. But what you say, yes, I think I will be able to do it, and you will help me. Are you staying in this house? I know the owner. I am staying here, says Jesus, but I am going to Jerusalem, and after I will preach throughout Palestine. I came for that, but I will often be here. I will come to hear you again, says Simon Peter. I want to be your disciple. A little of the light will enter my head. Your heart, above all, Simon, your heart. And you, Andrew, have you nothing to say? I am listening, Master, says Andrew. My brother is shy, says Peter. He will become a lion, says Jesus. It is getting dark. May God bless you and grant you a good haul. Peace be with you, they say, and they walk away from each other. 
Peter says to his brother and John and James, I wonder what Jesus meant before when he said that I will be fishing with other nets and catching different fish. Why did you not ask him, they say. You wanted to say so many things, but you hardly spoke. I, I was bashful, says Peter. He is so different from all the other rabbis. Now he is going to Jerusalem, says John, with so much longing. I wanted to ask him if he would let me go with him, but I did not dare. Go and ask him now, boy, says Peter. We left him so, without a word of affection. Let him at least know that we admire him. I will tell your father. Shall I go, James? asks John. Go. John runs away, and then he runs back overjoyed. I said to him, Do you want me to come to Jerusalem with you? And he replied, Come, my friend. Friend, he said, Tomorrow I will be here at this time. Ah, to Jerusalem with him. Now Jesus is speaking directly to us, and he says, I want you and everybody to consider John's behavior, particularly one point that always escapes everybody's notice. You admire him because he was pure, loving, faithful, but you do not notice that he was also great in humility. He, the first one responsible for Peter's coming to me, was modestly silent about that detail. The apostle of Peter and consequently the first of my apostles, was John, first in recognizing me, first in speaking to me, in following me, in preaching me. And yet, see what he says? Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the first two who had heard John, John the Baptist's, words and had followed Jesus. The first person he met was his brother Simon, to whom he said, We have found the Messiah, and he took him to Jesus. Jesus was quoting from the Bible there. Now he continues, Besides being good, John is just, and since he knows that Andrew is distressed because of his shy and reserved disposition, and that he would like to do so much, he does not succeed in doing it. He wants the acknowledgement of Andrew's goodwill to be handed down to posterity. He wants Andrew to appear as Christ's first apostle with Peter, notwithstanding that Andrew's shyness and uneasiness with his brother have been the cause of the failure of his apostolate. What Jesus means there is that it was a failure in the sense that Andrew did not run to Jesus as he wanted to, not that he was a failure as an apostle later on. He continues, Among those who do something for me, who can imitate John, instead of proclaiming himself an unexcelled apostle, without considering that his success depends on a multitude of things, which are not only holiness, but also human daring, luck, and the occasional chance of being with other people less daring and less lucky, but perhaps holier. When you succeed in doing some good, do not boast about it, as if the merit were entirely yours. Praise God, the Lord of the apostolic workers, and have a clear eye and a sincere heart to see and give each the praise they deserve. A clear eye to descry the apostles who sacrificed themselves and are the first real incentive for the work of the others. Only God sees them, 
They are timid and seem to be doing nothing, whereas they draw from heaven the fire that urges daring workers. A sincere heart in saying, I work, but this fellow loves more than I do. He prays better than I do. I am not able to sacrifice myself as he does, and as Jesus said, in your private room, with the door closed, pray secretly. Since I am aware of his humble, holy virtue, I want to make it known and say I am an active instrument. He is a power that inspires me, because joined as he is to God, he is a channel of celestial energy for me. And the blessing of the Father that descends to reward the humble man who secretly sacrifices himself to give strength to the apostles will descend also on the apostle who sincerely acknowledges both the supernatural and silent help of the humble one and his merits which superficial men do not notice. It is a lesson for everybody. Is John my favorite? Yes, he is. Does he not resemble me also in this? Pure, loving, obedient, but also humble? I looked at myself in him as in a mirror, and I could see my virtues in him. I therefore loved him like another self. I could see in John the glance of my father, who considered him a little Christ, and my mother would say to me, I feel as if he were my second son. I seem to be seeing you reproduced in a man. Oh, how well the one full of wisdom knows you, my beloved! The two blues of your pure hearts mingled into one veil only to form a protection of love for me, and they became one love only, even before I gave my mother to John and John to my mother. They loved each other, because they realized they were alike, children and brothers of the Father and of the Son. Now Jesus is saying that his apostles, and he's not referring only to his twelve, but to all the people who work for him throughout all the years, his apostles achieve success not on their own merit, but through the help of God and also through the help of prayers of other people of other apostles who may not have the courage, so to speak, to go out in public and spread the word of God amongst their brothers and sisters, but who pray every night, every day, for God to come and fill the world, for evil and hate to be demolished, obliterated, for mankind to become the loving and virtuous children of God that we were meant to be. And these prayers strengthen the works of the apostles out there who achieve greater success in helping to convert people to the true life in God. Thank you so much for joining me. Please come back for episode 30. Go with God.